Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide. From Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond. Here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. All right, so I'm here with Shaosen Zhang, the founder of Fintech for Good and the man who never sleeps. It's good to have you back in DC. I know you've been traveling all around, but today's topic, which is blockchain for SDGs, it's a very important topic. I think it'd be good, Shaozen, if you could start us off with just talking a little bit about um, you know, what are the, the UN SDGs and you know, how, how does blockchain kind of apply to that topic? Uh, sure. The UN Sustainable Development Goals uh, are agreed upon by all United Nations uh, member states in 2015, and it's part of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. The 17 goals and the 169 indicators really help to just provide a shared blueprint for peace and prosperity for people and the planet now and in the future. I guess start us off, talk a little bit about, you know, what are the specific SDGs or really the sectors that you've become focused on when it comes to applying blockchain technology to solving issues? Yeah, and from the SDG, the 70 goals, it, it includes uh, yeah, no poverty, zero hunger, good health and quality education, gender, clean water, affordable energy, decent work. Uh, climate change, etc. So many, many of these goals are really essential for the well-being of a human being and the whole planet. And in terms of, you know, what blockchain can help, and definitely it can help all the SDGs in different aspects. Number one is that within the UN SDG framework, and uh, one of the key things for uh, achieving SDG is the monitor and the evaluation. And to see that uh, you know, all the indicators are fulfilled, then we call it uh, uh, the ME framework is uh, extremely important, but also extremely expensive. You know, in the ME community, we always say that uh, you, know, you get uh, the results uh, what type of money you spend, meaning that uh, the budget always constrains what type of indicators you are able to bring back to the system. So with the blockchain-based solution, that's many times, and when the SDG-related activity happens on the ground, and the data can be collected directly and then to be listed on the blockchain, and then all parties can access to the data and then no party can just make changes to the data. So then we don't need additional monitoring evaluation process and that can just save trading of dollars. That's the number one. And this applies to all the 17 SDG goals. And number two is that in each of the sectors, and many or each of the goal and many times uh, it involves uh, many actors i give you an example from climate change from the emission reduction project design development uh, and uh, validation verification certification and uh, emission reduction issuance uh, this just uh, you know uh, takes uh, like a uh, 
more than 20, sometimes even 40 months to just uh, complete one emission reduction project. And because there are so many parties uh, contribute to this process, then they also need to be paid for their service. In this, that's uh, not only that, uh, you know, for a climate change project, it takes long to complete, but also the majority of the uh, cost, uh, uh, the, the, the revenue goes to cover the cost. Uh, finally, whoever just uh, developed the emission reduction activity, they just receive very small amount of the revenue coming out of the emission reduction benefits. In this, that is disincentivize any of the project developer to develop the climate change project. And with the blockchain-based solution, that's, you know, this can just take many steps or third parties out of the process and which can reduce the, the length or, or duration from 20 months to just uh, less than four or five months and uh, bring back 60 or even more percent of the cost to the project developer. That can just uh, dramatically help more individuals and also companies or businesses to just develop emission reduction projects for climate change. And many other examples can be given in all these 17 goals. You know, I've seen that FinTech for Good has been launching uh, numerous blockchain hubs all around the world. Uh, I know you guys started off, I, I believe, in Beijing with, with an insurance tech accelerator. Can you talk a little bit about what is the current state of blockchain in China? You know, we've kind of seen the, uh, the air come out of the bubble a little bit in, in, in 2018. But as we look towards the rest of 2019, what's developing in the blockchain ecosystem in China? So in China, it definitely blockchain development is a very exciting process as of now. And from beginning, that Chinese government has put blockchain on a very strategic level. And it was included in the China's five-year plan. And also in Chinese government's report, the Ministry of Information and the Industry issued the blockchain blue paper, which you know highlights how blockchain can help China to just realize the goal in the fourth industry revolution. Then many of the startups take this as an opportunity to really uh, disrupt the existing business models and achieve their entrepreneurial goal. So when you just uh, compare Chinese market with um, many other uh, markets, quantity of um, blockchain startups and the quality are pretty good, solid. This is just uh, in return to incentivize more capital to jump into the blockchain space and many of the traditional investor institutional investors with the you know digital asset owners started to just bring a lot more investment into this space and we see a growing number of exciting blockchain investment funds that are established in china in addition to that china is also seeing a large amount of 
inflow of uh, blockchain innovations and many of the blockchain startups and uh, entrepreneurs you know fly all the way to china to pitch to the investment fund and also just to try to develop their first pilots in asia or in china this uh, you know we see definitely international collaboration in the whole blockchain ecosystem and as of now chinese uh, blockchain market is uh, very international and of course that this uh, you know it's not uh, only one side of story and we also see that uh, you know blockchain based fundraising model are very important in terms of bringing new additional investment into this, but it also just create a problem. One example is the initial coin offering as a, you know ICO, and many of the ICOs which just create as of now already you know dead coin and which just lose all the value. And if you know any investors have put their real you know, RMB or dollar into such investment, then all their money or, or assets are gone. So which just pose a large or, or very important question to the government, how to protect the investors in the blockchain era. So that's why in 2017, on September 4th, the Chinese government issued a notice to just ban the ICO and which just, uh, you know, create a very strong signal to the market that uh, Chinese government is ready to protect investors and, and also to give signal to those scammers and don't come to China or don't just try to, you know, make uh, bad deals uh, with Chinese investors. So that's uh, another interesting evolutional evolvement. And so uh, I actually have a question on that. So I, I did see that. But the, the ban on ICOs, were they only banning ICOs that allow non-accredited investors? Like you can still do an ICO, but only accredited investors. Is that correct? It's not correct. The reason is that in China, we don't have the accredited investor and a non-accredited investor system. So that's why if you issue an ICO, that's uh, you basically are offering it to, to all the investors uh, because there's no such a differentiation and that's just a create risk for all the investors. So that's why ICO as a whole is banned. Interesting. And I have been seeing this um, STO lately. I didn't see it before last month, but now I see everyone talking about security token offerings. Is, it, is that the same thing as an ICO? Uh, it is a, a very different, uh, but it's also connected with ICO. And the security token offering is really the way to go for, for me. And of course, ICO shouldn't go. And uh, man, if, you know, I, I always believe any financial instrument has its uh, reason to emerge or to, you know, be born. And ICO is uh, such an example that many good projects have raised the funds successfully. And uh, without ICO, it's just not possible due to many of the existing barriers for startup, uh, you know, fundraising. But, uh, you know, number one is that uh, the legal status for ICO is really uncertain in many jurisdictions. So then that's why for the blockchain community and uh, the number one question is that uh, how to just uh, 
using token to raise fund in a legal or compliant way and still is the answer. And uh, from the security token offering, that basically that's uh, you define your offer as a security offer. And uh, in most of the jurisdiction that uh, there is uh, already existing security related regulation. And also the, uh, the regulators have already worked with uh, private sector in how to just issue or offer securities. They know how to regulate. They also know that uh, what are the existing rules which are available for the community or for the private sector to just uh, follow. And in this regard, that uh, for any of the STO uh, insurance platform and also the asset owners uh, that from beginning that they know that they are issuing security, they need to comply, they need to engage lawyers, they also need to just in the US, for example, uh, they need to just uh, file exemptions, no matter, you know, from regulation D, regulation S, regulation CF, there are existing rules that they can follow. And when they follow the rules, and then they are legal. And that can create a lot of certainty for the investors and also for the regulators too, and in general for the market. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely become more sympathetic to the to the regulator side of things. Because I mean, I can, I can understand how much how much stress they must be under in in, in trying to uh, to to regulate the space because it it is moving so fast. But I know that you are also on the board of uh, the United Nations Economic and Social Commission for the uh, the Asia uh, Digital Economy. Can you talk a little bit about that task force and may, maybe some of the initiatives that that group is putting forward in that region? that are also aligned with, with hitting the, uh, the SDGs? Yeah, just uh, in the past two or three years, uh, and I have been uh, working with other business leaders uh, uh, in two task force. Uh, one is the Digital Economy Task Force, one is the Green Business Task Force under the United Nations ASCAP uh, ESBN. And for ESBN, yeah, which is the Sustainable Business Network under UN ASCAP, and the, the goal of ESBN are to really just mobilize the support from the private sector in contributing to the SDGs. You know, we as the member of ESBN coming from different sector, and but all share the same vision and try to just leverage the private sector finance instrument capacity and business models to just reduce the cost and improve efficiency in realized sustainable development goals. This year, that's uh, I'm honored to just be elected on the executive council of ESBN. Then we will just be able to engage more strategically with all UNSCAP leadership and also the ESBN members. And in the next few months and two years, and I think that I want to just advance at least five different initiatives, but all related to digital economy. And the number one is that we are preparing for a Asia-Pacific Digital Economy Forum, where that we can bring leaders from Asia-Pacific and beyond who are working on the digital economy space 
to just uh, build connection, meet and share use cases through the forum that build momentum where that's uh, all can work together to just, uh, you know, trying to achieve SDGs. The second initiative is, uh, you know, within the, the uh, Asia Pacific digital economy framework that we can launch a institute, launch a donor invest, uh, donor advised fund, and also launch a incubator where that's, uh, you know, for the institute can just provide the research and the think tank type of uh, uh, capacity to just advise the digital economy development in Asia Pacific and the donor advised fund can just identify the innovative uh, solutions which can just address SDG related challenge and uh, then the incubator can just bring different capacity to help startup to grow in different markets. So then all these components uh, are just, uh, you know, trying to do the same thing and uh, embracing the digital economy technology to achieve SDG in Asia Pacific. As of now, that's, uh, we have already gained a lot of support from many uh, reputable um, individuals and also agencies and in the next two years and we'll see a lot of uh, exciting things happening around this topic. That's great. I mean, congrats on uh, being appointed to the Executive Council. I, I actually didn't know that. One digital initiative that I did see, and forgive me if I, if I butcher the name, so what's happening in the, the Zhongan area with China putting out a development plan for really a, a new digital city I know you're, you're involved with that. Can you talk a little bit about that initiative and maybe how blockchain might play into it? Yeah, and uh, so in Asia Pacific, uh, there are a lot of uh, such uh, existing initiatives we can leverage. And you mentioned one, and there are a number that uh, additional ones that I want to uh, you know, add on. And the uh, number one is that uh, from the... the um, uh, you know, several organizations that we are launching this uh, fintech and the digital economy acceleration program in Shenzhen, and where that uh, you know we we combine um, uh, blockchain, fintech, AI, and big data uh, and other technology uh, to just uh, help the city to becoming uh, or, or build their smart city initiative. In this regard, and we have identified many exciting projects, and I can share a few. One is a micro-tasking micro uh, um, platform, which is called Vodi. And Vodi can, you know, basically with the Vodi uh, application that you can just complete a micro-task and uh, be rewarded with token. Those tokens just can be used either to send e-gift or top up your phone and uh, or pay your bills. And this can be really essential for many modularized group and give them a tool then they can just make a living. And uh, another example is uh, a project called Newton. And the Newton, uh, create its blockchain infrastructure where that's uh, you know you, you can use the new combined the Newton payment the system with the energy or, or energy uh, grade then you can really just uh, provide this off-grade energy solution in a much reduced cost uh, again 
this will contribute to the existing universal access to energy problem, which is part of the, the SDGs. And another example is a company called uh, Micro Money, and where that uh, you know for many of the marginalized group that they don't have any economic identity, and then they are not able to engage in uh, economic activities effectively. And from Micro Money, that's uh, from one P2P transaction, they collect a lot of data out of that, put that data on the blockchain, and then create a digital identity for uh, the marginalized group. And then the service providers, such as a financier or you know the utility, can just uh, reduce cost in providing service to those uh, individuals. And I can give a lot of example around this, and we can see that uh, you know definitely digital economy solutions are able to provide a lot of exciting um, uh, new solutions, uh, new models uh, to achieve SDGs in Asia Pacific. In 2018, you guys launched your, uh, your Blockchain for Impact World Championship. So I'm, I'm sure that gave you a great you know, worldview of what was happening in, in different regions when it comes to blockchain. But outside of China, I mean, where, where are you seeing the most, like what regions are you seeing the most activity when it, when it comes to blockchain startups building out their, their products and actually raising funds? Yeah, the interesting thing about the Responsible Blockchain World Championship is that uh, uh, we can, uh, launched uh, this uh, championship in multiple continents, and where that uh, you know all the investors from different continents can work together to select the best uh, and, and the most impactful blockchain innovations, and then through a competitive process. Uh, then we select in each country or in each region the top five. And then the top five from each region can compete with other regions. And in this, that investors can communicate, the startups can communicate. Then we want to forge a global community where all the impactful investors and the blockchain innovations can really work together to just provide a solution in different regions together. And in this regard, that's, you know, from our experience, that's uh, blockchain innovation is really happening in parallel in all the continents. And it's not uh, really just in, in one region or in the other region. And it's uh, very different from, you know, the, the robotic uh, AI side of uh, innovation. And, um, you know, many of such innovation happens either in Silicon Valley or in some of the the, the place where that uh, they have a lot of uh, research uh, and development capacity, but uh, you know, for blockchain-based innovation, it really happens uh, um, dramatically uh, in, in in a large scale in all continents. And I give you an example that uh, even you know a lot of people don't know that what's going on in the blockchain innovation in uh, Africa. But when you just look at uh, you know what's uh, the Smart Africa is doing when they just, you know, bring a lot of startups, uh, uh, blockchain-based startups uh, to just uh, uh, build this uh, blockchain plus AI plus other emerging technology solution to make, uh, you know, Africa smart. And uh, from that process, a lot of uh, interesting, exciting uh, blockchain startups uh, are developed. And uh, as of now, even that's a, uh, there is a, a Pan-Africa startup uh, um, 
TV re reality TV show, and uh, the, they just finished the audition. And from the audition, many blockchain startups have submitted their ideas and the early early results, and which is very you know exciting. And of course, that many people already know what's going on in China or in the U.S. and in Europe, for example, and also in Latin America. And uh, you know, the token tokenization or tokenized uh, uh, or tokenomics becoming a keyword, which is uh, you know really disrupting many of the existing business models in those continents. And we have seen. Uh, you know, many like uh, world top class uh, blockchain innovations uh, coming out of Germany, from UK, from Switzerland, uh, from Netherlands, from Mexico, and uh, it's very exciting. Specifically within the Asia Pacific region, what countries are you seeing as the, the ones that are furthest along in terms of adoption and kind of the most mature projects? I would assume Korea and China, from what I can see from from here in the U.S. and the headlines that I read are are kind of up there, but I w would love to hear your thoughts. In Asia Pacific, uh, definitely there are a few hubs, but uh, in general, in all countries, uh, there are innovations happening. And from the hub type of uh, you know uh, location, and I would say that uh, definitely uh, China is. And no matter we you know just the last week, that's uh, I spent time in uh, Shenzhen, Hangzhou, Beijing, Shanghai. And where that's, you know, I had the opportunity to meet with, you know, all the investors and the startups in those key cities in China. And uh, uh, as I have shared earlier, that many, you know, many exciting uh, startups are just, uh, you know, uh, able to respond and, uh, you know, uh, move, uh, you know, from concept stage to the pilot to the, to the next, uh, next level. And uh, before China, and I was in Korea for one week, where that's, uh, you know, I participated in the BTCC relaunch and the, the you know, blockchain summit and also the, you know, block battle TV show. And you can see that uh, so many exciting blockchain and the token projects are either being launched or already enter into a pretty mature stage. And uh, of course, that's uh, they are now in the process to just uh, you know go global or at least uh, go beyond the uh, Korea. And I do see that in the next few months that they will be able to bring more impact to other countries. And uh, in, for example, Vietnam. And uh, yeah, this is also you know a market where that uh, people don't know much but uh, you know many exciting projects are developed uh, and the exciting part of that is uh, many of the blockchain innovation there are connected with some of the social problems or some of the poverty problems and which you can see that uh, blockchain can can have a real world impact and of course uh, Singapore as uh, you know the we can even call it as one of the fintech and the blockchain capital due to the policy environment uh, you know many of the global uh, blockchain projects are registered in singapore and the many investors are there in singapore to just uh, meet with the blockchain innovations from around the world and uh, also many of the startups go there to raise funds and register company 
and the banks there provide uh, digital asset related service, which is still, you know, a big, big uh, gap in many other markets. So in, in Asia Pacific, of course, uh, yeah, we cannot forget Sydney, Australia, where that's, you know, several very exciting projects coming out of after that. And example of blockchain center, where, you know, starting from very early, probably 2014 till now, that they incubated and also provide education to many of the the community members and investing in blockchain projects. So, yeah, we'll see, you know, in Asia Pacific in general, that there are many hubs. Well, awesome, Shavja, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberk, that's A-N-D-B-E-R-K, to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world. 